Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Future of Sales show. I'm Sahil Mansouri, your host, CEO of Bravado. And with me today is a face that is very familiar to people in the sales and marketing world. Uh, I'm honored to have uh, the Jen Spencer, <laughs> Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Smart Bug Media, Marketing Chair at Girls in Tech Phoenix, and uh, kind of a, a voice for sales and marketers in the B2B community for a very long time. So welcome to the future of sales, Jen. Thanks so much. Well, you went there. You called me V. I put, you had a V in, in front of my in front of my name. Jen Spencer. That's right. <gasps> Yes, in a in a in in the like room of of kind of starkness. It's very strange. <laughs> Normally, I'm like surrounded by I love to be surrounded by color and light, and I'm uh, I'm working on a galvanized today, and so <laughs> I'm in this phone booth. No, no, it's okay. Well, as I was saying, you know, I'm kind of between one fern right now. You yeah. know, Doc Galifianakis, I'm sure, is going to sue me for that comment. But, you know, but I've got the beard and the and the and the dad bod to go with it. So it's ready to rock. Um, one fern short. Uh, okay, amazing. So um, I want to, uh, you know, just just for the sake of, of those people, I can't imagine who this would be, but whomever it is that doesn't know you, uh, could we? Could I? Could I bug you? I bug you for a little introduction uh, on on yourself and a little background as well. Sure, sure. Um, there's um, there's many people I've never met before. So, um, so like as as you said, I'm the VP of Sales and Marketing for Smartbug Media. We're an intelligent inbound marketing agency, a HubSpot Diamond partner, and um, my I, I've only been with a uh, with Smartbug for about a year now. I was actually um, was a client of theirs before I joined the team. So I started my career as a high school English and theater arts teacher, and then got into B two B tech by way of nonprofit professional theater, which is how everybody gets into B2B. Right, right. right. Very common. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, went from being an educator to getting into community engagement and PR and honestly, like cut my teeth on sales and marketing in the nonprofit space. So after eight years at Arizona Theater Company, I was director of sales and marketing responsible for seven million dollars in revenue you know all through earned you know ticket sales and uh and and learned a whole lot and so um just been you know from there working working in b2b SaaS um quite a bit um both for small organizations um gone through acquisition worked for a big old company decided i don't want to do that um did the startup thing. So, so yeah, so I'm just, I'm a very revenue focused marketer who kind of fell backwards into running sales teams. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's no such thing as I think a standard path to sales. And, you know, one of the reasons we've explored for why that might be, um, it, you know, kind of centers around uh, the way that sales uh, is taught in the collegiate, mm. level, right? And so if you, if you think about sales from the perspective of, um, you know, there's, I think there's something like 20 universities in the entire country that actually have a major in sales. I think the number goes to like 50 if you count minors in sales. And sales as a profession has had a lot of negative stigma around it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and very few people are proud to stand up and say like, I'm a salesperson, you know, the way mm -hmm. that someone might be like, I'm a doctor, yeah. an engineer or whatever, right? And, um, you know, I, I think that your experience is, is certainly unique, but at the same time is completely not unique in the sense that right. like, you never thought you'd be in sales, you were doing something completely different, and then like all of a sudden here you are. Um, 
you know, how, how do you feel about, uh, you know, as we look towards this profession becoming increasingly more professional and us starting to like build curriculum and programming and like an education track around sales, you know, how, how do you see that changing in the, in the future? It's a really good point. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's a really, really good point. And, um, and I think if I look back at how, what, what's made me successful, both as an individual contributor and as a, a sales leader, I, I have to look back and go, my teaching background was a significant part of that. Because when you have a classroom full of high school students, right? And you have, you have a goal, you have something, you have a curriculum you need to get through, you have something that you want them to learn. Um, and you have to reverse engineer this strategy for getting them through this process mm-hmm. of understanding and learning and passing that test. It's almost almost identical, right? When you talk about moving someone through a sales process. That's right. Uh, so, so I, and I think that as our buyers, everyone's talking about our buyers are changing, customers are changing, right? That whole like negative stereotype of a salesperson, like I use car salesperson, that whole idea, that person, that sales, that sales role is, is diminishing and people want to be helped. They want to be supported. They want to be taught. So I, I think that there's something there. There's this connection between being able to listen, to understand the audience, know where they're coming from. And there's psychology involved there's, there's teaching, there's communication involved. I think sales is fundamentally changing because of everything that's going on around, around us. So I, I mean, I'm hopeful that we're going to start to see, you know, curriculum kind of popping up, um, here and there, I think it's already happening on the marketing side of things mm-hmm. where, um, in marketing curricula, they're, you know, they're teaching about revenue you know, revenue marketing as opposed to just brand marketing. That's right. That's right. So I, I, I have a feeling sales is right, is right behind, right behind. I, I, I share your optimism. Um, and in fact, one of the things that we've been doing here at Bravado is going through and having conversations with uh, both uh, kind of uh, I guess everything from people who are running business programs to college counselors and, you know, going through and trying to set up, uh, you know, kind of career fair type activities where people are introduced to sales. I'm sure you know this, but sales is the number one most common profession for someone who is freshly out of undergrad. And yet it's just not taught anywhere, which I think is just, you know, an absolute oversight. And, you know, you can kind of make the joke. And I always like to say, you know, if you see someone who's a Korean history major salesperson, you know, or someone who's like someone who's a former you know d2 basketball player salesperson you know like it's it's very common that that um people kind of fall into sales and it's not really taught in a professional practice and it's one of the things that you know we've really tried to champion is creating a code of conduct creating ethics creating standards and really kind of building a professional practice around sales as opposed to uh turning around and 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 having it be like oh well whatever my sales manager tells me is cool is kind of what i'm supposed to do you know it seems kind of silly for a profession that employs more people than any other in the united states yeah I think one of the hardest things about 
um, about making, uh, putting like foundational sales skills or tactics as part of any kind of educational curricula is that it's constantly evolving. Whereas, you know, you give the example of like someone says I'm a doctor, right? Uh, like there are things about medicine that will never change, right? That are always going to be there. And then there's like bits and pieces that are constantly going to be in, evolved as technology, you know, and science improves. From, from like a perspective of, of sales, human interaction, marketing, I mean, these are things that are constantly evolving. So it's, um, it's we're going to have to make sure we're, you know, definitely staying on top of any education that's happening. I mean, and I say we, I'm just like, I'm using the, it's like <laughs> global the royal we. Yeah, the royal we. Um, it's us, it's you and I, that's I the, don't know, what are we going to do? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's really, it's really tough. I completely understand why we're in the predicament that we're in. It's, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And so one thing I want to turn our attention to as we talk about the future of sales and, and how things are changing. And, and I agree with you entirely that, you know, the, the weapon that salespeople had in order to get customers to talk to them was information obfuscation, right? It was the fact that when you went onto a company's pricing page, uh, it said contact sales. You wanted to download a white paper, it was fill out a lead form. And, you know, it was basically like a bunch of um, obstacles to purchasing a product that was like the interest is when sales injected itself into the process. Um, and more and more what we're seeing now is that salespeople are, uh, it, well, there's G2 crowd, there's trust radius, mm-hmm. there's a litany of other services and tools that are out there that make it extremely uh, easy for a buyer to get a lot of information. I mean, you and I are part of a forum called MSP uh, where you can go and post something like, Hey, what do you think about gong versus chorus and get, you know, hundreds of answers from all these buyers. And so now, you know, information is available at people's fingertips that used to not be available. So when we're thinking about, you know, the role of the salesperson, I, I really liked what you said about psychology, about communication. You know, one thing that we see as a, as a trend is that those salespeople who are at the very top of their field are the ones who are the most respected and trusted in their industry for their technical knowledge, right? They're the people who can look at a website and tell you where there's bugs. It's the people that can listen to someone explain their entire marketing cadence and not just like read the next thing on their script, but, but, actually know how to run a marketing campaign and be able to like get in the weeds with the buyer in such a way that there's like true trust built between buyer and seller. And do you think that that's like another kind of evolving component of sales or or what are your thoughts there? Yes, I definitely, I definitely do. I think, you know, one thing is, um, is organizations are going to have to, um, do a lot more research than they've done in the past on their buyer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you may you may have competitive products that mm-hmm. meet the needs of different types of people, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's less about us focusing on, well, this, like, if I, let's say I sell phone cords. I don't know where I came up with this one. Let's get some phone cords. Sure. <laughs> I could pull a list of like anybody who still has landlines, right? Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I'm target those people. But maybe there's a reason why my phone cords make more sense in the hands of person A versus person B. This is a horrible <laughs> example. Um, but 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 we have to be really honest with ourselves about that and make sure we're 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 like targeting the right we're focusing on the, the right people. Um 
I've now forgotten your actual question that you asked me. I'm so, so sorry. No, 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 it's fine. The, the, the question in, in particular is, as a salesperson, how much more technical do you need oh. to know than, than previously? So, so what I was getting to <laughs> is, is having that empathy. So I think it is extremely important to be able to, to know what it's like to sit in your, your customer's shoes, right? And that's, and, and not everyone's going to have that as an, as an opportunity. So like I'm in a unique position where I sell marketing services and I am a marketer. So I, I know, right. But I have members of my team who aren't marketers, you know, they've never run like inbound marketing programs, built inbound marketing programs necessarily, but they're still able to sell those marketing services. Okay. Why? Because we've done effective research. We truly understand who our ideal customer is. We know deeply how we help them, what their pains you know, are, and how we how and we're able to speak to that. So you may maybe you're not gonna have that like hands-on expertise. If you do, amazing, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it just it it starts with just un- really understanding your buyer, truly, not just understanding your product. Mm. That makes that makes a lot of sense. And I think I agree with you very much that uh, being able to drive genuine empathy between buyer and seller is, is, is just becoming more and more critical. I, I want to turn our topic to uh, or turn our attention to a different topic, but in the same vein, which is outbound. Uh, you, you run a, you work with inbound and, and uh, obviously HubSpot. Uh, Brian Signorelli, who I'm sure you probably know through the through the ethers, is, was, was, was a guest here a, a couple of weeks ago on, on the Future Sales podcast and um, you know, we we are constantly seeing this debate on LinkedIn and, and other forums of, you know, cold calling, cold emailing, um, you know, versus things like, uh, you know, nurture campaigns and, and creating content and versus things like referrals and warm intros and kind of leveraging your network. But, I mean, obviously we do all of it, right? But if you were to prognosticate a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, what what is more effective in the future or what becomes less effective and why? Just the easy. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, it's going to depend on your buyer persona. Okay. Ah, so, I mean, you have to think about how my, my, my customer, my buyer, how does my buyer like to buy? How do they like to engage? So I can't say, Hey, inbound is the perfect, like answer to, to, to every, anything and everything, right? Even we're an inbound marketing agency. We say intelligent inbound because we believe in, um, we believe in like a broader view of what kind of is traditionally like, like earmarked as being inbound. Um, so, uh, but, but we've had clients who traditional inbound doesn't make sense for them because of the way that their, their ideal customer likes to buy. So their ideal customer is not going to be going to Google and typing in the search and looking for the pain. That's not, that's not their process. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's why I think that I don't think that there's any one right way. I don't know that we're going to see this massive shift necessarily in the market um, where people are doing more. One of their, I hope that we're more intentional. I hope that the shift we see is that each organization is owning their own demand gen strategy and doing what's best for them. I mean, I tried to. I try to tune out a lot of that noise that you're, you're talking about with people who are saying, you know, cold calling is dead or cold calling still alive or who cares? I mean, I would say what I would want to get on the phone with your customer, my customer, whoever it is, and find out 
what they prefer. How do they like to interact? When they when they made their last purchase that was you know comparable to what you have to sell, how did they go about doing it? And depending on what they said, then that's how you should craft your strategy. So I think there's still a place for everything that we're doing, whether it's account-based, it's inbound, it's outbound. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm hesitant to say we're going to see, you know, one thing, one thing over, over another. I hope we just become more intentional and intelligent about what we do. Yeah, sure. And I, and I, and I agree with that very much that uh, in, in today's day and age, you know, a, a blended strategy is one that makes the most sense. You know, I would say that if you were to survey a thousand buyers and say, hey, you know, which of these methods do you prefer more or less? You know, I would, I would be surprised if cold calling wasn't on the very bottom <laughs> of things that people prefer. I mean, it's kind of like we can all as human beings relate to this, right? You're sitting there at dinner or you're like out at a bar or whatever it is and your phone rings and you look down and, and, and you see a, a you know, a, a number that's eerily suspicious to your own number. And it's clearly someone who's doing local targeting. The first few times you fall for it, right? You answer the yeah. phone and it's, you know, it's someone trying to sell you solar panels or someone trying to sell you insurance or someone trying to get you to take a survey or whatever it is. Right. And then after a while, when you become savvy to the fact that anytime, like uh, my phone number starts with like 650278 and I get a lot of 650278 blah, 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 right? Like whatever it is. And, and I, every time I see that, I A, never answer, but then B, I'm super annoyed. Like, it's just yeah. like, like, don't try to trick me into answering my phone. Like, it's just like yeah. so silly. And, and, and I think that um, you know, if I if I were to take a more controversial stand, I, I think that cold calling is the antithesis of what most buyers would prefer. Uh, we do it because it's effective, and we do it because it's a way to get in with a buyer. And 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 I think that's okay today. But if you look at things like Castle and GDPR, and you know, I think mm-hmm. there's a U.S. version that will surely come, especially with yeah. Facebook and Google and everyone being like so data privacy centric these days. Um, you know, we have do not call registries, we have unsubscribe links. The bottom of emails. It's only so long until we say, like, hey, you can't call or email someone unless they've given you permission. And yeah. I think that once that day comes, um, it's a day that, like, if that was ever put out to vote, I think it would pass with like 99% of people voting for it. The only 1% would be salespeople who'd be voting against it. And, and, and I think that it's kind of a, an, an obvious thing that people dislike. And, and I think we need to be a little bit more clever than, than just like, you know, sitting there with a headset with a dialer software, you know, clicking a button and just like running through yeah. and getting connected to someone, you know, I just don't, I don't see that as being part of the future of sales. No, I mean, and especially not with a more consultative sale, you know, I was, it was funny. I was, um, I got a call the other day and I, I answered the phone, uh, and I answered the phone a lot and, um, you're but, so generous. Well, so I don't know, maybe someone wants to buy something for me, but, um, but <laughs> <laughs> so I answered the phone and it was somebody, um, it was someone working for a, uh, a car windshield replacement company, mm-hmm. like the glass, wind, the glass and asking, saying they were going to be in the area. And if I wanted my windshield replaced and he started going into this whole insurance field, I was like, my, my windshield's not broken. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't need this. Um, and he's like, are you sure? There's sure there's not like a little crack. And I was, I got like really irritated and I said, no. And I know how to find a windshield company when and if I need one. But I thought about it afterwards. I thought, you know, like this is, all, this, is this, this is a high commodity 
a product, right? Um, there's like, there is like a dime a dozen and it's covered by insurance. It's like, who am I going to go to? It's probably largely referral based mm-hmm. or, I mean, this is like actually like auto dialing a bunch of people probably is not such a bad strategy for them. Right. Cause do I really care who I get my windshield replaced from if I needed it? And at the time, if like I would have picked up and I would have had a crack, maybe like, maybe it would have been my lucky day. Maybe like I would have had a crack in my windshield and I would have been super happy that they're going to be out there tomorrow. So, I mean, I think there are some instances, but, but in, um, in a more consultative sale where it's not a high commodity in the B2B world, you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's just plain old, I mean, that was irritating and I even understood why it could have been a fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I really, I really think that, um, you know, this is, this is one area where sales leaders and salespeople have been so are so conditioned to expect that this is like the way that sales is done you know i'm a big fan of david cancel and what they're doing out at drift and mm-hmm. david posted that they don't have phones on the desks of the salespeople because they're like nobody wants a cold call why are we cold calling people you yeah know I, mean? I, just, I love that i love it yeah. I, I can't tell you how much i love it and and, and I believe that that is the trend of the future. Uh, you know, if you want to get in touch with me, find my email address, shoot me an email. It's not hard to do. If I, if I have intent or interest in your product, I'll respond. If I don't, then leave me alone. And then, yeah. you know, and, I, and, I, and I really believe that that is what buyers want. And, and, you know, even the, the email thing is interesting. Um, there was a thread, I think it was the CEO or one of the co-founders of Basecamp, if you're familiar with that, with yeah. that company. And, they, uh, and, and, and he had posted, we should create a service that every time you get an inbound cold email from a salesperson, it automatically subscribes that, like there's a button you can push and it subscribes that salesperson to every other salesperson who's ever emailed you's mailing list. So they just like email <laughs> each other all day long. And there were hundreds of comments in return being like this, someone wrote like, this is like the Nobel, someone ship out the Nobel prize for whoever invents this, right? Like there is a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of contention, you know, and a lot, oh, of, yeah. a lot of consternation among the buyer community about the tactics that are used in sales. And I, and I believe very much that, you know, with the rise of AI, with the increased automation, with increased transparency, if we as a profession, because I think going back to what you said about car sales about, you know, a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. you know, car sales as a profession is diminishing. Well, a big driver of that is things like true car, right? Like I don't need to haggle the salesperson. I know exactly what everyone paid for a car. I'm just going to walk in and demand the same price. And, and if you don't give it to, I don't care what the MSRP says on the thing, right? I know exactly what people are really paying. And I think that that is a, is a, is obvious foreshadowing with how sales Mm -hmm. go. And if you don't really know the car and if you're not really customer centric, and if you're trying to like sell me some like, you know, windshield replacement thing that I don't need or whatever, then then I think you're going to end up, I think you're going to end up getting, getting automated away. And I think that the people that survive and are actually thriving because, because I do believe that sales is human. And I do think Mm -hmm. buy from people um, are the people that they want to talk to the people you enjoy working with the people you trust. I just, I just think that's really what it comes down to, you know? No, I, yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, and so Jenna, I want to take your, I want to get your take on one last thing before we let you go. I know you've got a busy day, but um, one, one thing that, that uh, 
tugs at us a lot um, in, in, you know, one of the advantages I have at Bravado is getting a chance to see hundreds and hundreds of salespeople and the clients they work with and get testimonials from. And it just pains me to see, you know, the lack of diversity in sales. And I think this is a topic that has uh, come up over and over and over again. Um, and people are championing and talking about a lot, uh, which I'm really excited about. I think we talk a lot about women in sales. I think we're starting to talk a lot about minorities in sales, perhaps less, but a, a, a piece that certainly des deserves discussion is LGBTQ in sales. Um, you know, just, I'll just present it with a commentary. What, what are your thoughts and what are your takes as a, as a female sales leader and someone who's so widely respected in the B2B sales community? I, well, I think, you know, everything we've talked about to this point about buyer behavior changing and the way that a salesperson, with the, the role of a salesperson today versus the role of salesperson 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that is helping change um, who we're going to, who we're seeing in sales roles and who we need to be seeing in sales roles. So I think if you were to talk to someone who was a sales leader, you know, 20 years, 20 years ago, or even less, they would say, go find like an ex-athlete, give me some guy who used to play football in college. He's going to be competitive. He's going to like control the conversation. He's going to, you know, there's going to, there's this, this, this picture, this image that they have. The thing is, is who do people want to buy from? And people don't necessarily want to buy from that type of person anymore. So, and people, people like to, we work with, with, the, with similar types of people. It was, it was funny. Um, this was, gosh, a number of years ago, I was at NetTime Solutions and we had this wide array of sales reps. And one day I just, I just said, said to my CEO, I'm like, you know what's interesting is we have these different, very different personalities on our team. And if you look at the customers they're bringing on, the customers are very much like the sales reps, uh -huh. right? Like uh -huh. there's a lot of similarities. He's like, gosh, you're right. I'm like, it's because like attracts like and people want to work with people they're comfortable with. So we have to change that profile um, and stop thinking about kind of what is a, that traditional salesperson kind of looks like because our buyers are changing. Now, that's kind of one piece. The other piece that I think we also have control over is the, the little things that we do inside of our organization that are that we may be very, very blind to. So here's an example. Um, I was talking with someone in, she's in a sales capacity. She's like an SDR at a tech company. And she mentioned that she didn't, um, there was like a little competition, which competition's fantastic, but she lost some kind of competition internal, like a book meeting competition. And so what her manager made her do was like, 20 push-ups in the middle of the floor, like in the middle of the office, right? And it was like, like everyone was kind of cheering and like, it was this whole big thing. And she said, you know, she was fine at first with it. And then she thought about it later and went, that was kind of messed up. And, and I, and was thinking about like other people in the office and other people might be interested potentially in being on that sales team, but might go, well, I don't want to be like dehumanized like that, you know? Right. So here it's like, I know that sales manager had the best of intentions, right? And it was, and, 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 and it all came from like a good place, but you have to think about what you're putting out there and who you're saying is welcome in, um, in, on, on your team. It's mm -hmm. things like that. It's things like, um, very natural things. Like I was one time, um, at an organization where 
Um, where no, I don't golf. Okay. I live in Arizona. I should, I guess I should golf, but I don't, I don't golf. Um, but there was, we had a couple of people come into town and a bunch of like the, like leaders, um, they, they went golfing and I wasn't invited, you know? And, and I, they said, well, you don't golf. I'm like, yeah, but like, there's business, even though you're golf, like there's business happening. Mm-hmm. Like, don't tell me there's not business happening when you're there. So either invite me and I will like hack away and make you all pissed off. I don't care. Or come up with an activity that everyone can participate in. Right. And, right. you know, the CEO is like, oh, like, you're right. Like, I'm like, you're right. So, so it's just a matter of like some of us also speaking up and saying like, hey, like, this isn't, this isn't cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have... I have so many thoughts on everything that you just said <laughs> that, are, that are all like conflicting together, but I, I feel like I can thread it by just saying, you know, from everything from the persona of who we try to hire to the, to the culture that we build on the team, to the activities that we choose to do as a team, um, you know, it's, it's, I think you said it best and you're like, you know, like attracts like, and so far, you know, we haven't run a true meritocracy in sales. We've run a true mirrortocracy in sales. And most of the old school sales leaders are a bunch of white dudes. And so they've hired a bunch of white dudes to come in. They do white duty things like go golf, right. And do push-ups yeah. on the floor. And if you don't happen to fit that profile, then these things feel unnatural to you. And then you self-select out. And I think that where it comes down to is exactly, exactly what you said, which is let's think about who our buyers want to buy from. And, you know, I read a lot of job descriptions for sales uh, roles. It, it, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't quite have an explanation for why, except for, <laughs> curious. And, and I keep reading, it's like, we're looking for someone who's super competitive, who can, you said, control the conversation and someone who's a hustler and a sales ninja and like, which buyer wants to buy from a controlling ninja who's a hustler? <laughs> You know, like, like, give me the buyer who's like, yeah, sign me up for a conversation with the most competitive person on your team. Like, I would really, you know, and so I think that, you know, if you ask a a buyer, they're like, I want to talk to someone who's really kind and someone who's really compassionate and someone who's really respectful and someone who's really smart and someone who knows your product and, 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 and is really responsive to my needs. Like, I want someone who's fun and 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 just genuinely a good human right i'm sure that's what buyers want but that's never what's in the job description for sales right and i think that that is the miss and and until we solve that problem we're never going to get rid of the stigma and until we get rid of the stigma we're we're always going to be in a competitive situation with buyers where it's us versus them and it's it's all about us being on the same side as them, and and I and I couldn't agree with you more. So I, I really appreciate your your perspective on that, Jen. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the snippet of what you said and 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 play it for for our team here internally as well because I think it really resonates. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm so glad. <laughs> Amazing. Well, you got you got one tip for a sales leader who who's listening to this and is like, well gosh, this, this conversation makes a lot of sense. Where do I get started? You got one actionable tip for somebody who wants to increase diversity on their team. One thing they can do today to, to start making, you know, getting the snowball rolling down the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I would have a, have select like, you know, three or four of my best customers, the people who fit my buyer profile, like to a T who I think like, if we had a hundred more of these people, life will be perfect. And I would get on the phone with them. If you can get face to face with them and talk to them about their, the way that they, you know, went about buying from you, um, and about their salesperson, get honest feedback 
ask them about like some of their best sales experiences, working with other companies, some of their worst sales experiences. I think you'll learn a lot. Uh, account-based hiring, right? That's kind of, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's what came to my mind right away. Right? Let's go start a company. Let's go start a- <laughs> <laughs> another account-based something. No. I, have, uh, I have no more time. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but I think it makes so much sense and, yeah. and I love it. And, 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 uh, and, and again, being responsive to the market and listening to your customers is the only way to win in, in the market. And I, and I, and I think that's a great, I think that's a great tip. Um, it's really, really good. So I, I kind of put you on the spot and you like really delivered. That was awesome. Um, okay. So uh, we will let you go, but, but only if, only if you'll promise to, to come back and do this again, cause you're, cause you're great, Jen. This was such a great session. Awesome. Yeah, I would love to. And maybe next time I'll be in a, a, a more beautiful environment for those people who are watching this. So I get a fern on this side for you. And then we <laughs> could be both between two ferns. Be amazing. Um, that would definitely get sued. Uh, okay. So funny or dies just like cringing. All right, Jen, thank you so much. And oh, one last thing. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, has any follow-up questions or, you know, wants to chat strat, uh, what's the, what's the best way to get a hold of you? So um, my advice is find me on LinkedIn, um, but when you request me on LinkedIn, it's just Jen Spencer, it's easy to find me. Um, uh, just let me know that you heard me here. So I have some context for why you're connecting with me, um, or you can find me via smartbugmedia.com. Perfect. All right. Well, Jen, thank you so much for your time and uh, such a pleasure. And we'll have to do this again soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.